Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. God's got great things in store. Um, just one little announcement I do want to make. This Saturday we will be having a youth fun day uh, where we will be meeting up. Brother Dustin uh, is going to be doing a short devotional at the beginning. Um, and afterwards we have plans for there will be food served. We're going to try to get everyone that comes to bring some sort of dessert. Um, and also... We're going to be having just a whole lot of board games. Uh, we're going to do a session of a family feud set up. Uh, we got a, some of the old favorites all coming together. and just uh, It's going to be fun, so try and come out there for that. It's, I promise you, you don't want to miss it. Um, I, I believe every single person that is going to be here has a word for this. Uh, when we met up on Saturday, brother, brother Dustin said, "Oh, I said I, as soon as I heard it, I know what we're what I'm preaching for that youth rally night. Pretty sure I know what I'm doing Sunday and Saturday. I'm just going to be real. It's going to be completely different. So I assure you, what you don't want to miss Saturday, I believe, it is something that everyone here." needs to hear. I, I truly believe, based on what he's told me, I don't, I don't know all the details, I don't know any titles, I don't know any specifics of what's going to be said, but I truly do believe that God has something special in store for us this week. So if you would, if you would, let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. Book of Acts, chapter 1. If you would, please stand as we read these verses today. Um, we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 1. And I'm going to hop back and read a single verse of Proverbs. So you can be bracing yourself for the jump back, or you can just follow along on the screen. It is entirely up to you. Book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6 is where we're going to start reading. When therefore they were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his own power. What I have intended for next, for what I have intended to come next for the kingdom of Israel is um, simply put, none of your business. This is not what we are here to talk about today. What is going to happen to America is none of your business. What's going to come next for the city of Marion is none of your business. What's going to come next for this county, that's not important right now. 
here's what matters. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 says, But you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you will be a witness to me. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, also in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus simply put this. He said, it's time for you to expand your vision. And we're going to hop back to Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18. It's an incredibly familiar one. It's uh, for a long time was on that table back there it was uh, where everyone could see it Proverbs 29 18 where there is no vision the people perish but he that keeps the law happy is he praise the Lord if you all would let's bow our heads and let's pray Jesus we love you we thank you for all that you've done we pray that you would help us to expand our vision that you would help us to see something new to look different in this world to understand things differently to get a deeper understanding of what you want us to do next lord let the holy ghost fall let the power of the holy ghost rest inside of this place let your spirit flow and let you transform our minds let us not just hear your word let us do your word let us be doers of the word because faith without works is dead. Lord, help us to put works with your faith so that we can further the purpose of your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The year in question... For that our story takes place today, not the story in our scripture, but the story that I'm going to use to illustrate my point. The year is 1870, and the United Methodist Church was holding an annual convention at Hartsville, at Hartsville College in Indiana. The president of the college stood before the crowd and said, We live in an exciting age of inventions. And suddenly he was cut off from the rest of his speech as a bishop of the United Brethren spoke up and said to him, What sort of inventions are you talking about, sir? Why, I believe that one day we'll be able to fly through the air like birds. We won't have to be going around on horses and carriages anymore. That is heresy. That is heresy. The Bible says flight is reserved for the angels. I have no idea what scripture he's using. Because the Bible I read says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment of twinkling of an eye. That's besides the point. That's not where I'm going. <laughs> flight is reserved for the angels, and we will have no such talk at this conference. After the conference was over, Bishop Wright went home to his wife and two young boys, Wilbur and Orville. 33 years later, he received this telegram. It told him a simple piece of news. We spent 59 seconds in the air. 59 seconds against 21 mile winds. 
And we will be home in time for Christmas. December 17th, 1903. Orville and Wilbur sent that news home. They told their brother to make sure that it got out to the newspapers in just the right way. However, the newspapers instead ended up making it a banner story. Two weeks prior, another newspaper had posted the news. It'll take a million years before people fly. Two weeks earlier, 1903, December 4th, I believe. But now Orville and Wilbur are now known as the men who invented the airplane. And within just a few more years, about 66 years later, we would no longer just be going through the air. We would be going to the moon. We've had these, uh, this spaceship imagery going on all around uh, throughout this entire um, past few months talking about relaunch and going forward and the new thing. You see, it's an important thing. That telegram might as well have said the words, Dad, it's time to expand your vision. You see, how much different could things have gone if instead of having the spirit of Bishop Wright here, instead they had had the spirit of Mr. Kennedy who said, I say we're going to the moon. I don't just believe we're going through the air. I believe we're going to go to the moon. But it's scary to deal with the unknown. The scary, the impossible, it might seem. Insurmountable obstacles simply out of reach. And that's why you have these ancient cartographers, the map makers of their day in the 1500s, actually made a map that said, here be dragons. The real translation is not here be dragons. The real translation is I ain't got no idea what's there. They, they marked their maps with sea creatures and beasts and dragons. And the, it, uh, there was really only one map that ever said here there be dragons. There was one map. But it has since become emblazoned across, uh, across all kinds of stories of knights and pirates and all those things because one map said in this spot there might be dragons i'm going to talk today about here there be dragons because we need to expand our vision you see people are always nervous about new stuff uh i actually follow a page on instagram just because i I, i think it's kind of funny it's called the pessimist archive it's a bunch of newspaper headlines Star Wars twinkles for a TV cartoon set only, said an early movie review. This is for kids. No one's going to want to watch it. May 26th, 1977. It says, another one here says, The Berlin Wall Won't Fall, 26th October, 1989. November 9th, 1989, less than a month later, the wall comes down. We have another one. It says, Novel reading is disastrous in 1853 because some slaves might read Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uh, You've got these other ones that says, Russia is banning radios. 
and Soviets free the dreaded photocopier. Mickey Mouse is banned because the Soviets think that he's a rebel. Clever code. The Berlin Wall is not falling. All these things. Will this war crush our world in 1940? Yet we live on. Yeah. Germany will end nuclear power by 2022. Yeah. And so on, so forth it goes. Do kitchen work savers cause divorce? Is it, do we, you know, automatic mixers and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that you're having all over this place. Are we lost in a world of our own, alone in a crowd, as more people opt for Walkman styles? More people are opting for Walkmans, so now people aren't able to relate to each other because they're wearing headphones all the time. Yeah. That's, what's blocking, that's what's keeping us in our own little worlds. It's not anything else. No other issues might cause that. So for, Here's another one that's really interesting. Um, skateboarding is a crime, not an Olympic sport. Tokyo 2020 Olympics. It was an Olympic sport. But that's all that, all across the world, new stuff is scary. We don't know if we can trust these newfangled radios and bicycles is what you keep on seeing all through those. I don't trust bicycles. I don't trust books. I don't trust this. There's a quote that Aristotle thought writing would run our brains because if we are writing, we can't memorize stuff anymore. We don't need to memorize stuff anymore because we're writing them. So our brains won't be able to store as much information. People are scared of new things. The pessimists are not plenteous only in our headlines and old uh, pieces of information and scattered throughout about ideas of what's going to fail, what's not going to work, how long things are going to take us. Pessimists abound in history. But they are not only plenteous in our history, they are plenteous in our Bibles. Yeah. You see, we read the story in Numbers chapter 13. Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Israel. He sent 12 spies into the land of Israel. Spy out the land that God is going to give us. God is going to give us this land. So I want you to tell me what to expect there. Tell me what is happening. They're gone for days and they go through the land. They pluck enormous grapes off the vine and bring them in. They say, look what we have. Look what we found in this land. Look how awesome the land was. But meanwhile, 10 out of 12 spies say we can't do it. Why can't we do it? We can't do it because the land, it's great, it's awesome, it's beautiful, but there's giants in there, the children of Anak, and we can't do it. We were like grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were in their sight. If we go, our children are going to die. Yeah. 
if we go, our children will become their prey and we will die. God says, okay, so you have said, so shall it be. Your children will get to deal with being prey in that land, but you are going to die. What we put our minds on is often what will come to pass. Gideon had an army that was prepared to go out and fight the enemy, the Midianites that had invaded the land. And God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, I don't think this army is going to do it. He said, I want you to go out and make a speech to your soldiers and tell them, yes, we have a hard battle ahead of us. I believe God's got us. But if you're scared, you can go home. And his army dwindled down in size significantly. <laughs> Another challenge went through. God said, I want you to do this for your men. I want you to do this deal with drinking from a brook. And in the end, Gideon's left. He went down from an army of thousands to an army of 300 to battle 38,000 men. First Samuel 17, we read that King Saul has to put out a bribe because of one man on the enemy lines named Goliath, a great giant, nine foot tall. But the soldiers are just sitting around and they're like, I don't want to fight him. Do you want to fight him? I don't. They're shaking their, in their boots. They're scared to death. One 17-year-old boy shows up. Hey, guys, what are we doing? What's what's going on here? Well, you, you see, um, there's this giant over there, and he's he says that uh, we're going to become his slaves if one of us can't beat him. And um, I, I don't. Uh, so so what's going to happen if we beat him? Uh, well, the king says that you're going to be never have to pay taxes again, and um, you're going to get to marry his daughter, and you're going to be very rich. And okay, that's the. What about the fact that we win the battle and God's fighting for us? And you're going to prove that this dude is mocking God, not you. He's mocking our God, so we need to fight him. But these men are scared to death to fight and go forward. They're pessimists. The pessimist archive of the scripture. Matthew 14, that we're, the disciples are in the middle of a great big storm. Jesus is not on the boat with them. They're scared to death and suddenly they see a figure in the distance and they think, oh no, it's a ghost. We're going to die. But somebody gets something in them and says, I don't think that's a ghost. Jesus says, fear not, it's me. I'm coming to you. And the disciples are still scared. They're not so sure. They don't know. They think they're going to die still until one disciple says, Jesus, if it's you, I want to come. And that's what we see in every one of these stories. There, these men and women all have one thing in common. They get to see miracles happen. But they don't experience them. You see, the 12 spies all got to see God keep them alive in the wilderness. 
They got to see clothes that don't wear out. They got to see water come from rocks. They got to see a cloud hovering over top of the temp- over top of the tabernacle. They got to see Aaron's rod bud. They got to see God avenge them against enemies. They got to see the sun stand still when Joshua was fighting on the battlefield. But only Joshua and Caleb got to cross the Jordan River as the water stood still and bunched up in a heap and they walked across. Only Joshua and Caleb got to see the walls fall down at the city of Jericho. Only Joshua and Caleb got to live on to see the land of Israel be given out to the twelve tribes. You see, Gideon's army, guess what? Those, all those men that left the army still got to def- see the Midianites defeated. They all got to see their country given back to them and the Midianites plunged out of their land. They all got to live under the reign of Gideon instead of the Midianite king. But only those 300 guys got to stand there and watch them win the battle without a sword in hand, only a water pitcher and a torch and a trumpet. Only a water pitcher, torch, and trumpet as the enemy all defeated themselves by the power of God. You see, every one of those soldiers were part of the winning of the battle against the Philistines. And see, all of the Israelites that were on the battlefield that day got to see Goliath knocked down by one single stone to the head. They all got to see David rush up, grab that sword, and chop the giant's head off. And they all got to see the victory of that battle. They got to see as David rushed the head of Goliath to the, to the gates of Jerusalem and said, Someday... I'm coming for you too. But only David was the one holding the sling as he released the stone and saw Goliath fall. Every single one of the disciples got to see Jesus walk on water. Every single one of the disciples got to see Peter walk on water. Every single one of the disciples got to hear Jesus say the words, peace be still in the water calmed right down everyone from Judas to Thomas to Bartholomew they all got to see it happen but only Peter walked on water you might see the miracle but you don't experience the miracle like the courageous souls that are willing to step out and take the risk you see It's time to take a risk if you ever hope to see anything different happen. If we ever hope to see anything different happen in this church, you got to do something different. If you ever want to see anything happen, you need to pray just a little bit longer. If you need to see, want to see anything happen, you need to ask someone to church that you've never asked to church before. If you want to see anything new happen, you've got to try something different in worship that you ain't tried before. If you want to see anything new happen, it's time to accept the calling that's been hanging out in the back bar of your mind for years and years, ever since you first walked through the doors, ever since you first received the Holy Ghost, ever since you got back ever since you've been here if any man be in Christ he is a new creation all the old things are passed away all things have become new 
This is what the disciples are missing in Acts chapter 1. You see, we have just come through the Old Testament in our Bibles. We, we got, come all the way through the Old Testament. We, we see the blood sacrifices happen. We see the mighty victories that are won by David. We see the mighty victories that are won by Joshua. We see the people set free from the slaves under Moses. We see the people defeat mighty armies. We see a temple built in Jerusalem. We see a kingdom that's brought out of the captivity of the Babylonian Empire. We see the people of Israel protected during the reign of Esther. We see the people all the way they're preserved. The nation of Israel is preserved. The promised people of God are taken to the promised land of God. The children of Abraham have seen great and glorious things happen. But we come to the book of Matthew chapter 1. And all of that seems to be having issues. We, we read very few priests that are truly doing all that they're supposed to be doing. And there is no king in Israel except for Herod, who's a tetrarch under, under the Roman Empire. His boss is Caesar. And... Now the disciples are thinking this whole time, they're thinking, we need the reign of the line of David to come back. We need a king like David. We need, we need priests like Samuel. We, we, we need prophets again. We need all these people to come back. We got problems. And then this dude comes out and he starts preaching a message that says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Be baptized. You need to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. And he, he's, he said, repent, return, come back. And everyone's thinking, this is what needs to happen. It's time to restart this thing. It's time to redo this. It's time to repent. It's time to be restored. It's time for a relaunch of the kingdom of God. It's time for a relaunch of the nation of Israel. We're going to come back. We're going to be in full power again. We're going to see great things happen. Because, see, he's saying that there is someone coming. And then John the Baptist comes out one day and he sees this guy walking by and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And all those followers of John are thinking one simple thing. If we band behind that guy, we're going to see the restoration happen. They all band behind Jesus. He's got 12 followers, and then he's got 70 followers, and then he's got multitudes who follow him everywhere. He feeds them. He feeds 5,000 people with loaves and fish. He walks on water. He heals the blind. He lays hands on the sick, and they recover. He raises the dead. And then he gets killed. The disciples are thinking, oh, now what? But then three days later, he's back again. Uh 
He's raised, he, he's risen from the dead, and they, they follow him for another 40 days. And now they're at a mountaintop, and they have one simple question. Okay, so this restoration thing, we, we're sure it's going to happen, this restoration thing. You're, you're, is it about to be time for the kingdom of Israel to be restored? Jesus said, I've been talking to you for three years and you still don't understand a word I'm saying. I've been talking to you for three years and you still don't get a single word that I've said. Jesus, I can identify with your words right there. I've been, I've been doing this youth pastor thing for almost ten years and you, some of y'all still don't get it. <laughs> Pastor's thinking, I've been pastoring for 16 years and some of y'all just don't get it. <laughs> And she, and I heard I heard this quote, and I thought it was awesome. And I, I've really, it's it's just so good. He said, "If if you're a youth pastor and you've only got a youth group of twelve people and not a single one of them understands your messages, you're just like Jesus." <laughs> so that's what Jesus is saying. He comes to this mountain. He's standing there at the top of the mountain. He's got his disciples all around him. And they're asking, are you about to give the kingdom back to Israel? Because that's what it was all about. All our entire lives, all the stories we've heard our entire lives is God has chosen the people of Israel for a purpose. This planet, this country... We've got so many people out there praying, God, just give us another Republican president. You've got so many people praying, God, can you just give us a governor who won't lock us down? We've got so many people praying, God, can you just get us into a world where all of us can agree that the same political party needs to be in power? Can you please just get some of these folks out of Congress? Can you please just get my boss to treat me right? Can you please just make it so that I can pay my bills? Can you just make it so the people at school won't bully me so badly? Can you just make it so that this junk that's always happening doesn't happen so much? And Jesus turns to them and says... That's not the point. Even in the Old Testament, it was not the point. The point was that Israel was supposed to be great so that through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Harvest House, this has never been about getting you a good job. This has never been about being rich. This has never been about being famous. This has never been about not a single one of your family members getting sick or dying. This has never been about your kids being perfectly all right, wonderful angels and cherubs. This has never been about being able to get along with everyone in your family. In fact, Jesus, and I have read this verse a lot over the course of the past few weeks, in this world you will have trouble. Don't worry, I've overcome the world. Blessed are you if you're persecuted for my sake. 
Blessed are you if everyone hates you. Blessed are you if you are reviled. Blessed are you if they persecute you. And because they persecuted the prophets too. But that's scary. And now we come to these words. Here are their be dragons. In the Bible, do you know what? We start the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. We hear about this snake that's got legs. That talks, deceives, and messes up the world. In the book of Revelation, we hear about this dragon who threatens the world, who tries to eat the seed of the woman, who tries to take over the world. A ten-horned beast. Teeth. Speaks lying words and deceives the world. We've got a dragon that we're dealing with in this world. There's a dragon named Satan, and he is the issue. The issue is not Democrats or Republicans. The issue is not bullies at school. The issues are not your parents. The issue is not your brothers or sisters or cousins or nieces or nephews. The issue is not your boss. The issue is not your coworkers. The issue is the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against principalities. We are dealing with devils. We are dealing with dragons. We are dealing with issues. But you don't have to deal with the dragon if you don't do anything you've never done before. The dragon is perfectly fine to let you sit at home. The dragon is perfectly fine with you coming into church pews, sitting there, listening to Sunday school lessons, eating snacks, eating chicken nuggets and pizza and hot dogs and whatever else we may serve you this week. Eating. uh, The devil has no issue with you coming to a game day, playing family feud and roasting and defeating everyone. The, the devil has no issue with that. The devil has no issue with you walking through this building and doing the same thing you've always done, listening to the same songs you've always listened to, and just sitting there, and even sometimes lifting your hands, even sometimes speaking in tongues, even sometimes worshiping God, even sometimes maybe you'll even come to an altar. But if you don't do anything you've never done before, that's not a problem. Amen. The devil has an issue. When you come to that altar... You say words you've never said before. You say to God, God, I'll do anything. God, I don't care what it costs me. God, I don't care what I got to do different. God, I don't care who I've got to tell about you. I don't care who I've got to say something to. I don't care if I've got to quit my job. I don't care if I've got to stand up to a bully and say, will you come to church with me? The devil doesn't like it when you get up from that altar and you say, Pastor, I've never been baptized before. I want to be baptized. 
The devil's got an issue when you decide when I come up out of that water, I don't want to just be like everyone else that I've seen come up out of that water. I don't want to just be the same old person that I've always seen come out of that water. They walk downstairs. They dry off. They might not show up to church again next week. I don't want to be that way. I want to be different. I want to stand here in this water and lift my hands. And I want you to say, Pastor, I want the Holy Ghost today. And then when you get the Holy Ghost and you speak in other tongues, he, he's, he, 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 he doesn't like it. If you decide, Pastor, is there anything else that I need to do besides this? Can you give me a Bible study? Can you teach me some more stuff? Can you teach me what else the Bible says? Can you teach me about the complicated and hard to understand things? Can you teach me why the people around here are dressed different? Can you teach me why the people around here talk different? Can you teach me these things? And even beyond that, because there's a lot of people who've done that much and stopped. Even beyond that, he, he, he's fine. He's fine. You can, you can do that. Fine, fine, fine. If you've done that, great. Whatever. I'll leave you. But the devil doesn't like it when suddenly you say, Pastor, youth pastor, music leader, Sunday school teacher, What's it take to do what you're doing? What's it take to preach? What's it take to be on the platform and sing? What's it, what's it take to teach a Sunday school class? Is it possible that I could teach someone a Bible study? Is there any way that you could equip me with something where I could reach the people in my school easier? Is there anything I could do to learn Bible verses better and understand them and... Because in times past, all of those things uh, I have tried to promote to these people, and some people just don't want, just don't understand them. There, there, I can equip you with Bible study, specially crafted to teach inside of a school building. I can equip you with this Bible memorization thing called Bible quizzing, where you can go and you can connect with other young people who are trying to learn the Word of God and try to learn the Word of God and get opportunities for things you've never seen before. There is a if you indeed would decide that you want to preach, it's entirely possible that you could end up becoming the next youth pastor. You, someone needs to step in. You, you could become a ladies director. You could become. Uh, you could become one of our bus drivers. You could become one of our some department that we've never seen before. Someone over the Sunday school department. Someone teaching a different age group, but we 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 just can't seem to split it up. Someone actively overreaching into our communities and reaching people who've never been reached before you can do these things but yes they're scary yes there's a dragon that's going to try to fight you yes there are things that are going to come against you yes you're going to have family members some you might have a family member decide they hate your guts you might have a family member that wants to turn against you and tell lies about you you might end up being gossiped about you might end up being torn down you might end up having people die but guess what It'll happen if you don't do it too. Here's the difference between dealing with the dragon while fighting for the kingdom of God and dealing with the dragon when the dragon's in charge. Because if you live your life, you are living under the rule of the dragon. You just don't know it. 
The difference is when you don't fall into the kingdom of God, you're just living with the dragon as your boss. You're living with the dragon's got full access to your brain to give you all the depressive thoughts that you could have possibly imagined. You're living in a world where your family members get sick and you don't know what else to do, so you'll go to the doctor and you'll deal with chemo and you'll deal with emergency room visits and you'll deal with surgeries and you'll deal with this and you'll deal with that and you'll deal with this and that and you don't have anything to tell you. Even if they don't get healed, you can still have peace of mind because God is inside of you. You. I can't promise you that if you enter into the kingdom of God, your boss is suddenly going to like you. I can't promise you that, but I can tell you, you're a lot more guaranteed to come into a world of blessing if you'll follow God. If you'll be able to defeat the dragon because you'll have a sword of the spirit that you can plunge into its neck. You'll, be, you'll have a shield of faith that can block the fiery darts of the wicked one. You'll have a breastplate of righteousness that protects your heart. You'll have a helmet of salvation to protect your mind. You'll have all these things. They will sustain you. They will keep you strong the age of Israel was over and the words that Jesus had said for three years were truly here the kingdom of God is here the reign of David has ended the reign of the kings of Israel is over it's not about Democrats and Republicans anymore it's not about bosses. It's not about school teachers. It's not about this or that. It's about the kingdom of God. The enemy you're fighting is not a human being. The enemy you're fighting is a devil in hell. There was a revolution. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom of Israel would not return for nearly 2,000 years. 2,000 years later, 1948, pretty much around about 2,000 years later, the kingdom of Israel was finally a kingdom again. No disciple lived to see it. No disciple lived to see it. However, 10 days later, they saw the kingdom of God come with power. Ten days later, they were all waiting in Jerusalem for the true promise of the Father. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. And the, we're all in one accord in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And they began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave the utterance. The, this event was noised abroad all around and people began to ask questions and say, what on earth is this all about? And Peter stood up and said, these men aren't drunk. They're not crazy. What's going on here? Is that this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. Amen. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams upon your son, upon your servants and your handmaids. I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. 
Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. And you will be a witness. You will be witnesses to me. And Peter was fulfilling the very first section of that in Jerusalem. But we turn a few chapters later and we see a man named Philip. We turn and see a man named Philip and he goes down even unto Samaria. And in Samaria he sees this great big revival. All kinds of people get baptized and Peter comes along and he preaches there. And people begin to get filled with the Holy Ghost when he lays hands on them. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. They speak with other tongues. They prophesy. They reach the world. They, 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 there's a cultural revolution going on. But then we get even later, and Peter is up on a rooftop praying. And Peter sees something he never thought he'd see. He's praying and he kind of gets in this spot in prayer that he doesn't quite understand, know what all's going on, but a trance comes over him and he sees a vision. He sees a sheet come down from heaven with all kinds of animals in it of every kind. He's got snakes and lions and pigs and donkeys and everything all in front of him. And he's just like, God, what's this all about? And God says, rise up, Peter, kill it and eat it. Now, Peter, I told you, we just come out of the Old Testament. We just come out of the Old Testament, y'all. And it's against the rules to be eating pigs. I'm not supposed to be eating pigs, God. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. I've never eaten anything like this. And Jesus says, don't call what I've created common or unclean. And he does this three times. And by the end of it, Peter is shaking his head and rubbing his eyes and like, what's all that about? He goes downstairs. There's three guys knocking at the door. Hey, Peter, we're here from this Italian guy named Cornelius. He sent us to talk to you. Um, and he wants you to preach to him. Okay, God, I get it now. That's why you had to do that. Okay. Because to Peter, not only was he not supposed to be eating pigs, he's not supposed to be talking to those kinds of pigs. I'm not supposed to be talking to all them foreigners about anything, about spiritual stuff. That's, that's not what the rules say. Peter, the rules have changed. Amen. Those people you used to think you couldn't talk to, you're supposed to talk to them. Those people that your family has said for generations and generations, I don't want you ever talking to those people. I don't want you talking to any of those. I don't want you talking to any of those folks that look like that. I don't want you to talking to, to none of those. Uh, I don't want you talking to those Mexicans. I don't want you talking to them black folks. The rules have been changed. It's not what your mom and daddy said. It's what Jesus said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it's, it's kind of a hard to even say don't be talking. It's kind of hard to even point to the racist stuff when, I'm st when some of y'all think you're not even supposed to talk with people with, di with different last names than you. Those folks that live on the opposite end of the street. The, them, them folks with that last name. Them folks that you know what they did to your grandpa? 
You know what they did to your great grandma? You know what they did to them? You know what them folks over in that city over there did? You know what them folks over there did? No, you don't talk to them. You are supposed to hate them because I hate them. Whatever your grandma, grandpa, Aunt Susie said, Go to all the world and preach the gospel. It's time to get past your thoughts, your prejudices, your ideas, your grandpa's ideas, your grandma's ideas. It's time to get past that. And you know what? There are... I said this on a podcast here recently. I live in this area called Kentucky. We've got these things called rednecks. They have ideas that stuff ain't supposed to change. Don't forget where you come from. Now, there is nothing wrong with revering your mother and father. It's one of the Ten Commandments. There is nothing wrong with deciding, you know, a few of my traditions are important. You know what? If you eat, if you eat Christmas dinner on the 24th of December instead of the 25th, you can keep right on doing that. If you say every college game day we need to make sure that buffalo wings are cooked in this house, go on and do it. There is nothing wrong with saying that camo is appropriate attire most places. I'm not here to shake up that. However, this idea that some people aren't supposed to be treated right. Some people you don't talk to. Some things you don't do. Some religious traditions are not to be changed. If the Bible says something different, if the Bible says one day, if the Bible don't say nothing about not flying, you can fly. If the Bible says that there's only one God and His name is Jesus, you ought to believe it. If the Bible says repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, you should be baptized in the name of Jesus. If the Bible says there is one God, Father above all, who is above all, through all, and in you all, you ought to believe there is only one true living God. If the Bible says that a man shall not put on a woman's garment, a man shall not put on a woman's garment. And the same goes both directions. If the Bible says male and female created he them, there are males and females in this world. And that's it. If the Bible says honor your father and mother, you ought to honor your father and mother. If the Bible says do not kill, don't kill. If the Bible says don't steal, don't steal. If the Bible says don't lie, you do not lie. You do not bear false witness. It's still the truth. I have had people come to me and say, oh well, people lie, therefore all the other things that the Bible says don't necessarily matter that much either. The people are still wrong that lie just as much as the people who do the other things that the Bible says don't do. Don't kill. Don't matter who, the, who it is, what it is, or where it is. Don't kill. All those things are still the truth. Bible is still true. So we need a personal transformation to fight the dragons. We need as a church to decide there's more to this world to do. 
You see, the Bible says there are places in prayer that you can reach that you've never reached before. The Bible says that you can go into intercession and you can intercede and you can go deep and you can say things where you're not even sure what you're saying anymore and you feel a burden on you and you can pray and you can get there and you don't know what else to say and God says, let me take over. He takes over and you before you know it, time has passed. You don't know how much time has passed. You don't know what more is going to happen. You don't know who you're going next. You don't know who you're praying for. You don't know what you're praying for. But God, God wants to change things through your voice. God can take you into that place of prayer where you are praying for things and you don't understand what's coming next. You don't know what's going on. You're kind of nervous. You're not quite sure. But God has taken over and it's just happening right now. That can happen in your own personal private prayer time. That can happen in your own home. That can happen for you, Jimmy. That can happen for you, Bobby. That can happen for you, Christina. If you'll just let God take over and let God do what God wants to do. The Bible says that you can speak in other tongues and you can prophesy. And that can happen for you. You can say things that that have not happened yet as though they have happened. And they can happen because God took over. As a church, we need to start seeing these things happen in our young people, in our elders, in our church. And we need to see the world transformed. Because once this church transforms, once we realize there's a world past Marion, Kentucky, once we realize there's a world past Sturgis, Kentucky, when we realize there's an entire world out there that hasn't heard the gospel, I would absolutely love it to see the day that one of the people in this church is being shipped off as a missionary in North Korea shipped off as a missionary in Vietnam shipped off as a missionary in China shipped off going to be a missionary in Russia or Ukraine to be a missionary over in Africa in Asia in Australia and anywhere else in the world into places that we've never been there is a world beyond this city but before we can get to the world beyond this city we've got to get to the world beyond me. Yes, amen. Amen. It's hard to get to the world beyond these walls before you get to the world outside of your own little head. We've expanded in our thoughts today. I've been talking about Korea. I've been talking about Japan. I've been talking about all these other countries. But it's hard to get outside of that as we focus in and talk about you your brain your heart your body your mind you need to realize God wants to talk to me God wants me to live holy God wants me to live separated God wants me to be baptized in Jesus name God wants me to be filled with the Holy Ghost. God wants me to repent. But it's scary. There's a devil. But it's scary. Someone might say something. Someone might do something. But God said, fear not. I've overcome the world. Get my music I'm ready to close here. We need to realize 
God said, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. We get to the end of the book of Acts. We get to the end of the book of Acts. And it's talking about this dude named Paul. On a ship to Rome. And it said that he preached nothing hindering. And that's how it ends. Paul was preaching and nothing hindered him. He was on house arrest. He was stuck in his own home. He was locked in a chain to his own table. He couldn't leave his own home. But it said nothing hindered him. Nothing held him back. Nothing slowed him down. Because you see, a whole lot of what happens all throughout the rest of your Bible all took place while Paul's stuck, chained to a wall. But because Paul's vision has been expanded, Paul went right on preaching to the Corinthians. Paul went right on preaching to Timothy and Titus. Paul went right on preaching to the Galatians and Ephesians. He said, you know what? I might be stuck here. I might not be able to move. But there's a world out there that needs to know about what Jesus has to say. Paul wants to make you more. Paul, Paul said, Jesus wants to make you more. You can be more. Your vision can be expanded you can be a preacher you can be a singer you can be a teacher you can be a soul winner you can be a prayer warrior you can pray and stuff can happen you can be filled with the Holy Ghost your life can be transformed you don't have to be addicted you don't have to be addicted to pornography you don't have to be addicted to drugs you don't have to be addicted to alcohol you don't have to be addicted to cigarettes you don't have to be addicted to anything because God can transform your life you can know I know who I am. I am yours. I am yours. I am his and he is mine. You can know who you are. God wants to change your life. God wants to transform you. What could happen if you knew that God could do anything? That God could break your depression away from you? That God could take your anxiety away? That God can take your fear away. That God can take your addictions away. That God can take everything that's holding you back and send you through. That God can make you a preacher. That God can make you a teacher. That God can have miracles happen when you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. God wants to transform you today. God wants to make you new today. God wants to make you different today. God wants to make it so that your kids don't have to deal with what you dealt with. Your grandkids don't have to deal with.
deal with what you dealt with. You don't have to be the same. Your house don't have to be divided. God does have a destiny for you that's greater than anything you've ever seen before. Yes, this could be the last service, but what if it's not? What if this isn't your last service? There's something to be said for you need to be saved because this could be your last service. But there's also something to be said for you need to be saved because this might not be your last service. Because if it's not your last service, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do when you make it past today? What are you going to do when you make it past this week? What are you going to do when it's 2023? What are you going to do when it's 2027? What are you going to do when you're 50 years old and you've got grandkids to take care of? What are you going to do? do well, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy who's an alcoholic? Do you want to be the guy who's a pervert? Do you want to be the guy who's a sicko? Do you want to be the guy who's a jerk? What do you want your grandkids to be growing up with as a grandpa or a grandma? What do you want it to be like? What type of marriage do you want to have? That is what's determined when we decide, I'm not afraid to fight the dragon. I'm not afraid to see what else God can do. Because God can make you completely Let's pray for you in Jesus' name. today. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus today. 